Okay, last time we spoke about the idea that one's connection to one's wife is one that reflects really one neshama. As the Zohar describes, two neshamas are, are separated and of course both of them have in the kartachas kisei kavod. and the key to joining the two and we spoke more theoretical in this week we're going to get a little bit more practical the key of joining the two is hakaras kvoda, is really recognizing the kavod of one's uh, wife. And we spoke about that as two values. One value is for your side of the neshama to be able to relate to her. And even more significantly is when one conveys to her that sense of kavod, so then in such a case, then she is capable of providing a tremendous, tremendous amount of strength to the other side. And so the key, in many ways, to Shalom Bayes, and it could very well be that tonight's topic is the most important topic in Shalom Bayes, is the ability to communicate from that neshama of Zachrus to the neshama of Nachrus. Let's start with three examples of, of communication that went bad. We'll give three stories of communication that at first glance started out okay and then something happens where the communication between husband and wife breaks down. I have them written up over here in just uh, in pithy uh, sentences. First one we'll call, the first story we'll call 8.55. It's five minutes to nine. <clears throat> Seder is about to start. And it's the first time that you actually got on t- up on time for Shachris in the last few days that you didn't have to go to an, a little bit of a later minion. Everything's working beautifully. You got home. You ate breakfast. And you're about to go to stay there. You have your uh, tour Shulchan Aruch. No one learns Gemara anymore. You have your tour Shulchan Aruch under, under your arm. And, uh, and, as you're, uh, and as you're walking out, your uh, wife says to you, your wife says to you, Honey, I started thinking about staying next year. It's five minutes to nine. You're walking out. You're finally about to be, to be on time to stay there. And she says, I want to I talk to you about staying next year. And the husband is caught in a quandary. And I'm not going to even solve this quandary entirely. But, you know, he says... Okay, we'll talk about, uh, maybe we'll talk about it over lunch. And she says, okay. And then as he closes the door, hopefully it's not a sob, but he senses that there's a sigh. And God forbid it could even be worse uh, that the emotion that exists in the apartment. What are we supposed to do? We're in a tough spot. We're in a very tough spot. And it's not only base marriage, you could just as well be going to work. I'm talking about Griscolo, so we're talking about going to base marriage. But you're going to work as well. That's story number one. So from now on, that's known as 855. Story number two. You know, they tell a joke <coughs> that uh, this appears in the Reader's Digest, uh, one of the top, uh, top jokes of Reader's Digest history, that there was there was a couple um, who were uh, 
who communication had bro- broken down a little bit, and they're sitting around, and they're not fighting. Life is going on uh, regular. And three days later, her, his wife puts down the, as they're eating uh, supper, she puts down the knife and the fork, and she says, I can't stand this. She says, we're not getting along. And he says back there, he says, so we're getting along perfectly. We haven't fought in the last three days. Okay, that doesn't happen to us. That's extreme. For Rabosai, it does happen to us in a slightly more practical sense, even though it's less traumatic, but in many ways it's even more biting. And that is the following. The conversation starts out in the following way. Rachel says to Reuven, she says to him, you know, I feel like we haven't been speaking lately. I haven't, I feel like we haven't been speaking. And Reuven says to her, what are you talking about? We just spoke. We just spoke with each other. She said, yeah, tell me the last com- real conversation we had. So he says, we just decided which drawer we're going to put the socks in. And all of a sudden, Rachel walks out of the room. She's had enough. She doesn't say anything back, but she's had enough. Let's call that story number two where communication has broken down. Where the husband says, we are speaking, and the wife says, we're not speaking. What happened, and how do we go about both both sides, the man and the woman, feel that they're really, really speaking? Finally, story number three. This story is, of course, as B'nai Torah, halacha could sometimes be a trap. And this story is a case where halacha is a trap, but we're going to see that really it's not the halacha, but there's something else that's going on. <clears throat> Binyamin and Leah are going out with each other. Binyamin learned by someone who is a brisker lamdin. And in brisk, it's been, one could even argue, proven that the heter of Chodosh, Bizman is quite weak. And Reuven started being makbid on Yashan. He goes and he speaks to his Rebbe. He's going out with this girl. What was her name? Leia. He's going out with Leah. And Leah, he, her parents don't keep Yashan. She never kept Yashan. And when she realized about it, maybe it got back through the Shaftin. So then... She was thinking about breaking it up over Yasha. It's very, very hard. And her parents don't keep it. So Ruben speaks it over this Rebbe. And the Rebbe says, you know what? As far as Yashan is concerned, she's a great girl. It could very well be that the argument, the heter of the Ramah is weak. But at the end of the day, the Minik Yisrael is then to follow it. And Ruben if you will, decides to get engaged. 
they have beautiful chasana, and overall they have a happy marriage. Every once in a while, when Leah sees Ruvain picking up something to eat, she sees him take a glance at the wrapper, and she sees him slightly flinch. And Leah says something to him. Leah says something, you know, I've been thinking about the Yashin situation. I'm really, really not ready for it. I don't know how I'm going to be 10 years from now, but I know right now I'm not ready. As long as my parents may be well be, are alive, I'm for sure not going to take it. And even afterwards, I'm not sure I'm ready altogether. But I'm feeling guilty, she says. So he says, I spoke it over with my Rebbe. And my Rebbe said, no, that this is the right thing. The right thing is that we should eat Chadash. After all, he says, Shas HaTchak is Kedi Evedami, and there's some posts who say that, that therefore it's going to be Mutter. Derech I just want to mention in brackets that, by the way, I'm not taking sides in this shiloh. This is for, for people that are bigger than me. However, I just want to, I just want to add the Rebbe Branshmiel, when he used to say Shiran Chadash, whenever it came up in the Sugya, and uh, as you know, there are many, there are quite a few people that are a little bit more liberal than Rabbi Branspiegel. And uh, when he would say Shir on Chadash and Yashan, uh, he would he would always conclude by saying he had a Talmud that used to be Makhdar on Yashan and broke a Shidduch over it. And he said, I told him he was wrong. And he said, then the Talmud got divorced with a different, different woman. Because to him, that was a symbol that was a symbol to him. Could be someone who disagreed. I'm just quoting from him. That was a symbol of a certain intransience that reflected an inability to, to relate to individuals. Either way, the Yisod is story number three. And that is, he's telling his wife that she's fine. That she's doing the right thing. You're fine. That's what Allah says. Allah is shasat chakidi evedami. There are both sides, all these, of course, and, that, and of course, afterwards, Leah pulls back, and there's a tension between them. She continues to watch him flinch when he looks on the wrapper, and that's how life continues. One of these things in a marriage, or two of these things, a marriage could do very, very well. But eventually, if too many of these things pile up, God forbid, it could break. So Rebosai, I'd like to share with you what I think from a Torah perspective is a proper construct. Then we'll try to describe what's going on in these stories and then see, Bezer Hashem, what are these solutions as far as communication is concerned. Rashi al-Torah in Parshat Vayeshev makes a fascinating observation. <clears throat> and I have to tell you, it's one of those Rashis. If someone wasn't over me, from Shnai Mikra and Echa Targum, I did not remember the Rashi. But it's one of those innocuous Rashis that behind these Rashis has so much and really might be the key to communication in Shalom Bayez. Rashi points out where the Pasuk says, Vayishmu'u el Echav, where the Torah tells us that the brothers, Vayishmu'u el Achiv, excuse me, where the Torah tells us that the brothers listened to Yehuda with what to do with Yosef, Rashi points out that there, 
Vayishmu'u means, he says, the Targum says, Mikabel, that they accepted what Yehuda's suggestion was. In other words, the suggestion was not only a suggestion that they heard, but rather, Rashi points out, the Targum says, that they listened and accepted. And Rashi says there are other places, I'm going to put a few Rashis together, Be'ez HaShem, there are a few places where we see that the word Shin Mem Ayin, the root, Shema, very well, shema, possibly Shema Yisrael, which our school incidentally translates as here, it could very well be much more than here. Because it's Kabbal Salmachu Shemayin. It's this example of the Targum. And that is, Nasev and Nishma, here Rashi says also, is not only to hear, but it also means to hear and accept. That's one type of Shmiya. Rashi says, I'll contrast it to a different type of Shmiya. Rashi says, it's different than what it says later on in Parshas Miketz, where Paro says to Yosef, I heard that you have the ability to shmachalom l'toroso. You have the ability to hear a dream and to interpret it. Here Rashi, again in Parshas Vayesha, says that there, tishmach alom so does not mean, and Rashi over there in that passage as well, in Parshas Miketz, um, makes this point, that there it does not mean to accept, but rather tishma over here means to listen and understand. Because it's about understanding the dream. And finally, Rashi contrasts this to in Parshat Shemos, where Bnei Yisrael complain about the man, Shamati Estlunos Bnei Yisrael. Rashi says there, Shema has a third meaning. Shema does not mean to accept, does not mean to understand, but rather there, Shamati means a third thing, and that is to hear with ears. First time in my life I noticed that the H is before the ear. Hear with ears. Shamati Esplunos B'nai Yisrael. These are three different types of Shmiya. Three different types of Shmiya. Rabostai, I think this is based on these Rashis, putting together the Rashi Parshish Vayeshev, as well as in Miketz, one could see that there are three different Madregos there are three different madregos that we have of Shmiya. One is a Shmiya where a person accepts. The other is a Shmiya where a person listens and understands. And the third is to hear. Now I want to even make it even more sharp. If you take a look in the Pasuk there by Paro, Paro says, where Rashi says it means to listen and understand, Tishmach Alom, Paro says, I heard that you are someone who's Tishmach Halom I heard there means, I heard with my ears. I didn't understand anything. I heard. I, there in that passage itself, you have a contrast between a Shmiya that means that you processed information. Let's add. Here with ears, information. The person processes information. Then there's a deeper Shmiya. Not when you're processing information. 
Paro processes that there's someone called Yosef, but rather there is a hearing which is called Maven. Imamish understands. Okay. These three sodas of Shmiya, hearing information, hearing to the point that a person understands, and hearing to a point where a person accepts, reflect three different parts of communication. So now, let's take a look and come back to our stories. And we're going to see how each one of those stories correspond to a different Bechina over here. The shortcomings. What happened at 8.55? What happened at 8.55 is Rachel felt avoided. The trap over here, lack of communication, we're going to see four different traps of communication, is that Rachel feels avoidance. It might not be her husband's fault, but that's how she feels. And that's a trap. So here, there's no Pasuk in the Torah that describes this Shmiya, because there was no Shmiya. There was no Shmiya whatsoever. She doesn't hear anything at all. Let's go to the case of we are speaking. He says we are speaking, and she says we're not speaking. Rosai, this Lamdin, this budding Lamdin, forgot that in English, I like to be Mechadesh, there's Tzvedinim in communication. And one is called talking. And I don't know if Webster's is masking to this, but I think for our purposes, sociologically, it's definitely true. There's something called talking. And there's something called speaking. Notice what Leah said. She said, that we're not speaking. She was 100% right. When you talk about the socks, and when you talk about all those things, so in that case, what's going on is you're talking, but you're not speaking. The Rabboni Shalom processes the Tzluna of the Bnei Yisrael, he hears the information, he processes the information, does the Rabbani Shalom like it? Does he accept it? Does he understand it? Absolutely not. But Shamati, I heard it. But there isn't a sense of where the two are communicating. Chal Yisrael is not communicating with me, and I'm not going to communicate back with them. There's going to be something terrible that's going to come of this relationship right now. There's talking. There might be information that's going back and forth, but they're not speaking. And that's what's going on in story number two. There's a Shmiya, but that Shmiya is not this bi-directional sense where both parties feel that they're being understood by each other. Rachel does not feel understood. There's a lack of understanding over here. That's the first type of Shemi in the Torah, where you process information, but not there isn't necessarily a form of communication. 
when we have the third story, here in such a case, both cup sides of the couple, they understand each other. Comes to the case of the Yashan, all the parameters are being understood. In fact, the husband understands how the wife feels. He knows that it's hard to keep Yashan. He understands that madrega you have. However, what the wife does not feel in the story number three, the description here is of the three stories, what she doesn't feel over here is she's being spoken to, she's being understood, but she feels that she's not being respected. Understood, but not respected. Understood, but not respected, or not accepted. That's the third dinner Shmiya. The ultimate Shmiya is a Shmiya that's not only heard, the information is processed, not only is the information understood, but there's a point of acceptance between the two parties. Yehuda and the brothers respect each other, they hear each other, and they accept and respect each other's opinions. Nasa Vinishma is not only hear the information, it's not only a case of where the information is understood, ultimately going to be understood, but it's the third it's also that its entirety is going to be accepted. Let's now examine these three phenomena a little bit more in these stories. Avoidance, talking but not speaking, and understanding but not respected or accepted. Let's examine them, Bezer Hashem, a little more. We're still focusing on the shortcomings. Hopefully we'll get to the, to the solutions uh, shortly. First of all, we have to emphasize, in terms of the story of 855, that avoidance sometimes takes place. Sometimes we do it inadvertently. But there are times that we have to be mechazek ourselves, that we do it also, sometimes amaze it as well. So we need to ask ourselves, the first thing that we have to ask, are we pushed communicating? In other words, it could be we're not even in the parish of Shmi at all. Are we simply communicating? Sometimes it's not our fault, but we're not getting the first base. We're certainly not going to get to the highest madrega of, of Shmi. And that we have to ask ourselves, have we really designated that time, which we'll speak about later. Let's talk about talking and not speaking a little bit more. Talking and not speaking is actually another case where many B'nai Torah for sometimes for no fault of their own because they just went through life without thinking things through have fallen into a particular trap. Rabosai, that's how most of us communicate in a very, very loving way. Many of us communicate that way. What do I mean by that? We sit down with our chavrusas, we sit down talking about a sugya, and we 
we're very much influenced by what happens in the base Medrash. I hear what you're saying, and I poshut reject it. It's wrong. It's, it's, it's wrong. You know, they say the beautiful story that I've mentioned in the past, that, that a philanthropist came to Rafesko Abramsky said he loves the yeshiva, he checked out the yeshiva, but when the base of Medrash, they scream at each other like crazy, without midos. Says you're wrong, and so on and so forth. By the way, of course, we say the Gemara tradition says, "Einam zazim misham achinasim olvin If there's any residue of the machlokas that we have in the base of Medrash about what the halacha should be, so then there's a chisaron in the machlokas. Then the machlokas is a reflection of Yavam. That's the chashchus of Yavam. The first machlokas in the history of Klal Yisrael took place during the period of the of the Greek smicha. The definition of whether it's a machlokas that really is the machlokas that's gilu yatorin, or chatz v'chalil, the opposite, is whether, what is the emotion by the time that both people get up. If the emotion is that there's some type of residue of frustration or anger, then it's no longer a machlokas. That is, in, is entirely the ideal form. Then already there's the ego that is involved, which is what Yovan represents. So the influence of the base medrash, so if Yechesel Abramsky said back to him, he said to him, what he, this poor yeshiva bachar, the only thing that he has is this svarah. And his chavrusa is taking it and he's ripping it up in front of him. By the way, when Branch Spiegel said over the story, he started crying. He said, this poor yeshiva bachar, the only thing that he has is this svarah. Because that's our life. Came came and that's, that's our entire that, this, that's what That's what has meaning about it. But in a way, the base marriage did not train us in that form of communication very, very well for another form of communication. We're not going to change either of them. We're not going to change the base marriage. And they still scream at boys in Shia. And the boys in the base marriage are going to still scream at, scream at each other. But at the end of the day, when we leave the base marriage, there's a, diff- a totally different form of, uh, of communication. And if you think about it, what is the, especially in our Derech Halimut, of our Maseira, from that goes back to Reb Chaim all the way to Vilna Gon. What's the ultimate diss you could possibly give someone? Well, what's the ultimate, the ultimate bad shot? You're saying an emotional svara. That's the worst. The worst thing is an emotional svara. Rabosai, a woman's whole mitzvah is what is an, <laughs> a one big emotional svara. So th- that requires real, real, real adjustment. That requires real, real adjustment. You know, I always tell, tell over the, the story, you know, again, talking, not speaking, that's what we're, we're trying to be masculine. Many times in the base of that's what we're doing. We're not communicating emotions to each other. We're conveying information. There's a great amount of shmia that's going on. We're conveying information. I like to say over the story of when the wife comes home and she has a hard day and she starts complaining to her husband all the things that go wrong, the babysitter came late. And the husband jumps up and he says, okay, I know of a new babysitter. And he picks up the phone and he turns around and his wife is crying. They were talking, but somehow he was lacking in terms of the speaking. Speaking but not respecting. Let's be masbri a little more. Shmia below Kabbalah. Of course... What the husband failed was over here when it came to the Yashan story was he made his wife feel like a Shasatra. He made his wife feel like a Bidiyevet. And that's the key. Our wives always have to be 
lechatchila. Even if the halacha says shasat chakidi somehow there has to be an absolute kabbalah. Not only is her emotions understood, but they're also being respected and accepted. How could it be? I the shasat chakidi evedami. Okay, we need to talk about how it could be. But that's something that has to that has to be entirely conveyed. Another example, I will never forget as a child, my uh, older cousin, Joe, remember, knows my father well. I'll never forget as a child, one time my father was talking to somebody else, and my father is a very warm person, but he can make a, he make a point very softly and very firmly. Because I remember my father was talking to an individual, and I corrected my father. I was a young child. My father stopped and he looked at me, he didn't say anything. He just stopped as if he was surprised. I was saying some piece of information. <clears throat> and after and after we came home, my father said to me, A child does not correct a parent. You could say maybe Abba, but don't say that what your father says is wrong. That's Allah and Kibur Abaim. It's Allah and Kibur Abaim. But it's also a yesod in terms of shalom bias as well. Every time we make a correction, I'm not saying that there isn't time for corrections. I'm not saying that there isn't time for constructive criticism. That's next week, Beis Hashem. But at the same time, we always have to realize that we're correcting, and we run the risk of compromising the respect, the first sense of being respected and being accepted. Rabosai, we have to be very careful, and this happens dafka to the wives of Talmidei Chachamim. Zachalot, then the Torah is a samachayim. Lo zachalot, it's a samhamavos, because the base medrash has trained us, Baruch Hashem, to take to be successful as law- lawyers and to be successful businessmen, to take an argument and rip it to shre- shreds. But if our wives are saying. Why is it that I always feel that I'm losing the discussion, that I'm always wrong at the end of the discussion? Then it could be you understood every argument, but she's not feeling that sense of respect and acceptance. And then it's a shmia. There was a shmia. There was a shmia where you hear the information, you understood the information, but it wasn't a full kabbalah of what she said. And of course, I'm entering in a quandary. How could it possibly be? If what she says is wrong, how do you accept it? How do you respect it? We'll get there, Beis Hashem. Now we get to solutions. Beis Hashem is right. 8.55. Avoidance. Sometimes it's not our fault. Sometimes it's something that's beyond what we could do. Before we get to these, the stories of these three the solutions of these three stories, I want to discuss the Av, the Binyan Av Ha'al of the struggles in communication. And it's something that the Avrechim, who've heard me in the past, have heard me said, but I have to say it again. The Mitzilsi Sharm says, it's a Dvarm shooting that requires the most chizuk. Rapam and Asichas Musar, and I remember this as a young, as a young very young man, in Tarvadas, I remember Pam Sifas Moser about Lashon Nikia. And Pam spoke about that a Ben Torah is supposed to have a pure way of speech. 
and he said in his uh, schmooze, he took out a piece of paper and he read off a list of things, of words that a Ben Torah is not supposed to say. He did not say four-letter curse words, but what he did say was, shut up, crazy. He lists a bunch of words that because of Rapan, every single time I hear it, hear it, I cringe. Once you heard Rapan say it in his Ehrlich voice, that the Yeshiva voice should use these words. So when you hear it, you cringe when you hear those words. Or when we ourselves say it, we cringe. In the list of words that a Ben Torah is not supposed to use was whatchamacallit. One of my, at that time, younger Rabbeim, Rabbi Saul Reisman, who's now one of future Gedola Yisrael, Rabbi Saul Reisman went over to him after the Shemus and he said to him, Rebbe, Rabbi Reisman was very close at the time, he said to him, Rebbe, what's wrong with the expression whatchamacallit? I know it's not called Yisrael, but what's wrong with What's wrong with uh, what's wrong with Pachamakon? Rapan said to him, Israel, you don't understand what's wrong with the word Pachamakon. The person says Pachamakon, and he says, Simon, I'm going to Avenue J to that store. What that store that sells antiques? Pachamakon. For Rapan, that was unheard of. Pachamakon, because every sentence before he said was entirely thought through on itself. So many of the cases that we discussed tonight, so many of them, not all of them, but so many of them could have been avoided if the person had thought through more. And so Maral, I found that there's a Maral that says this, in Derech HaChayim, uh, on his parish and others, in Mishnah Yud Zayin, where the Mishnah says, Shimon, the Tana says, Lo Matsasi Guf Tov so the Maral says like this. The Maral says, there are two kofos the man is given. One is the koach of what he calls the seichel haguf, and the other is the seichel hamoach. And he says, there are two massive computers. One's the koach hadibur, that's the seichel haguf, and the other is the mind, the intellect. He says, those two computers don't operate together. They cannot operate simultaneously. At the time that a person is speaking, then the Seichel HaMalach is not working in its entirety. Now, obviously, we're not talking in a neuroscientific manner. We're talking about the way people process and speak. So the Maharal says, you know how it has to work? The only way the guf, the dibur, could be appropriate is if it first has shtika, first there's silence that person thinks before he speaks. Because the moment in which that's lost, the moment that the process doesn't allow for that process of thinking, so then in such a case, there are things that a person regrets. That's the ah. That's the yisod. But then, there are some practical examples that we could also give to, <coughs> to deal with all these three challenges. Avoidance, talking, not speaking, and understanding, but not respecting. Let's talk about 855. The solution to 855 is not to change that phenomenon. That phenomenon will always happen in our lives. God willing, you will have more and more 855 moments. Because, Beis Hashem, there will be children, God willing, grandchildren. God willing, you either be learning a lot more Torah or making a lot more money, or maybe both Beis Hashem. And there are going to be many, many more 
responsibility. So 855 is going to happen. That we can't that we can't avoid. But the key, of course, is designating time to communicate. And here on both sides, I was asking myself, what should I tell the Avrechim in terms of what's the ideal time? And I said to myself, maybe this is a classic, why you move, where you don't say exactly what to do, but I think, it's, I think, I think there's a little bit more than that. Um, I, think, I think the... The key over here is to emphasize that it's much more important the quality than it is the quantity. When the wife and the husband, both, here we're getting the husband in a lot of trouble, that's our job. When, the, when both of them feel that time has been designated for both of them to speak, so then that is, a, that is tremendous. There has to be a sense of, of time that has been designated. Maybe if the Avri can push me to try to be Magyared a little bit more in terms of how much time, maybe I'll do it. But right now, where my thinking is right now, the Iker is to emphasize that there's a sense where both of them have a discussion. When is the best time for us to sit and talk? A significant amount of time during the week. Dr. Mordechai Reich, who's a fantastic psychologist, I know because I have quite a few students that uh, went to speak with him. I was once with a student, uh, by the way, I actually sometimes take a student by the hand and go to the therapist's office and, I, and, uh, and at times I've even sat with them in therapy. Great boys. There's something that they need to talk to the therapist about. It's not a, it's not a shanda. It's, not a, it's, it's, it's a very, very healthy thing for ma- in many instances. So Dr. Mordechai Reich in a therapy session told one of the students that he won't forget, he's a, he's a Talmud of Nisan Alpert, he's a Muslim of Yeshiva, he's a member of Nisan Alpert, and he says, um, Simcha's Torah, he said, Miss Alfred danced a little, didn't dance very much. <clears throat> and in the old days, not like the way it is in the shul that I dominated in Ramat Bechemesh on Simcha's Torah, but in the old days, it used to be that the Mechitza was basically open on uh, Simcha's Torah. They would take down, even when I was in Tarvadas, the Mechitza was, was uh, taken down. Of course, the men and women were in a separate place, but the Mechitza was open because they wouldn't be able to see the dancing. That has, has changed uh, in some places. But he said that so Miss Alfred used to sit close to the women's section, and his wife would like to introduce her to maybe some friends, you know, her her uh, her friend's grand grandson and so on and so forth. So he used to sit next to the used to sit next to the mechitza, and he would be learning. He would learn through most of I don't know if he would sit or stand because the Torah was out. Actually, the way Dr. Rex said it was he was sitting, and um, his wife used to come, used to call him, used to say Nissen, and he said it was very fascinating just to watch the body language what happened when his wife called him. He wouldn't turn around like this. He said, the Gemara was here, like this. He used to move his whole chair. He used to turn entirely towards her. He would have a conversation, meet the person, and take his whole chair and move the whole chair back. That's an example of where the quality, the sense that he was entirely devoted to her. Now she knew that he wanted to be learning Gemara, I'm sure. But at the same time, it was entirely, entirely focused towards, towards uh, her. You know, they have a famous header from Moshe Feinstein for Hilkos Yichud that the poskim are done on bismanazeh. And I think that this header is something that uh, is very much relevant to our discussion. The biggest problem, a little bit of background in today's modern world, the biggest problem to avoidance is not because that people aren't setting aside time to be with each other. 
It's this. Or I don't even have the appropriate one. It's the blackberry. That's what it is. And the, point, the problem is that we're never entirely just with our spouses. We're never with our spouses. Because there's always this outside interference. It could also be the laptop. For those side, we're worse than the TV generation. Those of us who have only kosher internet service over the Blackberry. And you know why? Because once upon a time, husbands and wives, if they, they were watching television together, Nowadays, this is not together anymore. I'm not advocating watching television and going to movies. That's not what I'm doing. But at least they were doing it together and they would talk and joke about it. Together. Now, everything is private. In other words, the husband is looking at this and his wife, and his wife is not feeling connected at all. Rabosai, there are times that the blackberries have to be entirely off. The computer has to be entirely off. Absolutely nothing else in the world except for one's wife. Otherwise, we are going to be guilty of not even getting to first base. We're not going to be have, have any shmia whatsoever. She will not feel that there's any that there's any shmia. What does that do, Ramesha's Hester? Ramesha writes the following. Ramesha says that yichud is not a closed door. If you have a closed door. So then, in such a case, there's no yichud. Why? No one walks into people's houses without knocking on the door. So Moshe says something fascinating. You see where Moshe's midas. Moshe says that when a person knocks on the door, everyone, of course, the basic midas, he answer the door. So a man and a woman will never do anything wrong together, says Moshe, if the door is not locked. Because it's understood, if someone's going to knock on your door, then of course you're going to open it. That's where Moshe sat there. Many posts can disagree. They say a closed door does constitute yichud. But Moshe says, if someone knocks on your door, then in such a case, there is no yichud. But both sides today, particularly in the gross apartments, today you don't have to answer the door every time someone knocks. You don't have to answer the phone every time someone calls. It's compulsive. People are, 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 have become OCD based on the culture itself. And they're no longer communicating with each other. And, you know, as I'm saying this out, when I prepared this, I didn't even realize this. As I was, as right now, I'm realizing that we're, we're having such a difficulty getting to first base. Because we pointed out that ultimate Shmiya is Shmiya with Kabbalah. We haven't gotten even at all to Shmiya. We haven't even gotten to Shmi at all. We've just been trying to struggle with getting past avoidance. That's the Messias today. We need to be Mechazic ourselves very, very uh, much. Okay, so we've gotten past that point. We're communicating on some level. At least we're talking about socks with each other. But how do we get to this point? How do we go from the point of talking but not speaking? Why is it that so many couples, the wife will say that they've been speaking, but they haven't been talking? You know, I'll take the questions after, if that's okay, with, with pleasure. One of the reasons I think it's best to take the questions when the recorder is off. Um, so, so what, what do we do about talking and not, uh, and not speaking? 
So first of all, the Yisod over here is a very famous Yisod. And that is, men are from Mars, and women are from Venus. So, and that is that it's part of the Teva in people. Men communicate one way with each other, and women communicate with, differently with others. I've pointed out in the past that uh, Jim Gray's book, which is a fantastic book, has its great limitation, and that is the subtitle over here. By the way, they say that, uh, how many times has he been divorced? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Look at, at the reasons for the subtitle. Men are from Mars, of course, which I never remember. I always look to Donnie to help me out for it. A practical guide for improving communication, which yeah. it is quite good at, and getting what you want in yeah. your relationship. <laughs> you know, it's all about getting what you want in your relationship. Nothing more to talk about. Of course, as much as the Yisodos you could have, the relationship is not about giving, which is a separate sheer by itself, then it's not going to, it's not going to last. However, the Yisodos in the book uh, still are very true. Now, Rebosa, I want to tell you a story that I just heard today, which brings out this point. I've never met a person who's by nature such a <coughs> giving person, and mevatel himself in his entirety, like Moreno Ravnen and Salshlita. I think there's a legend that has it that Ravensal heard that there was someone who needed who needed uh, some an eye, and he told his wife that he was about to go out and uh, and 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 give uh, one of his corneas or something like that on her bath, and she like had to grab him and hold him. It's true the legend about Ravensal that Ravensal has had donated more blood here in Israel more than anybody else. It's true. Here's one of the greatest Talmud Chachamim. Um, who, uh, who donated more blood than anybody here in Yerushalayim. I verified it from a nurse when we went with the YU Summer Kolo to donate blood. I asked her if it was true, and she said it is true. And she said what I had heard, that he stopped because, first of all, he didn't follow the rules entirely. He gave a little bit too often, more than you were supposed to. More than you were supposed to. And, uh, and eventually they convinced him to stop that it was no longer healthy in Baruch Hashem. There's some other healthy people that are actually thinking about other people in Eretz Yisrael. And I've been so glad to see up close that by nature he's just such a giving and thoughtful person. Now I want to tell a story that I would not say over if not for the fact that I knew that his son said over this story. This is actually not a very positive story. But what you see is here's one of the greatest Gedole Torah and Gedole Balei Chassadim. There's a line that they say that Roshlom Zalman Rishon Zalman Orbach told Ravina that uh, Ravensal is one of the Gedolim in Chesed. And he said, and then he, he's not so bad in learning either. <laughs> so, um, they say the following, this, the, again, I'm saying the story over because Rav Chizkiyon Nevensal uh, said, uh, said the story. He, his father and his mother on their third date, Ravensal, they ended the date, and Renensal said goodbye to his mother, and he turned around and he started walking home. He didn't walk his mother home. He didn't walk the girl on the third day. Didn't walk her home. It could very well be that in those days it wasn't entirely in the kubal that you did it. And she came home and she told her father that she was a little hurt by it, and that she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to go out with him a fourth time. 
and her father was one of the Finkels, or someone in the family. I don't, I don't know if it's the father. Someone in the family called Nevenzel's father. Nevenzel's father gave him Musser, and he he called her up and he apologized. What am I bringing out? This is not a great insensitivity of someone. We don't walk each other all the way all the way home. It's a certain thing that a girl in her intuition expects from her husband and a gadol in chesed, I'm sure he was that way as a young man as well, it was something he never ever thought or ever realized. The moment he would think or realize, and of course he would have, he would have done it. Rebina says that uh, the only person, those once upon a time, in the cars, used to have to roll down the cars with, uh, with a hand. So he said the only person that he remembers who used to unroll the, the window and then roll back up was Rebina himself. The only person. And he was so impressed with him, that's why he made him one of uh, the rabbim in the, in the yeshiva. So, but what, what, what I'm bringing out to counter the other stories, or to counter the other stories, is to bring out this, this point that here was someone who had tremendous sensitivity to others, but yet the sensitivity towards what a woman needs, even to a god of chesed, sometimes is difficult. So when we come up short, it's a chizu. When we come up short, that's something to, for us to to internalize. Let's be masbir. What is that chiluk menor from Mars vis-a-vis communication? Why is it that communication is, is, uh, is difficult? The reason why communication is difficult is because men focus on problem solving. And women, what they want to do is often communicate their emotions. When the woman feels that they haven't been speak that they haven't been speaking, they've only been talking. What she means by that, the chiluk between talking and speaking, is that she feels exactly as was described before. Is she doesn't feel that her emotions have been entirely empathized, and because by nature you and I are programmed towards problem solving, to listen and just to hear about emotion is something that's that's not something that comes naturally to us, but something that we have to train ourselves to do. One Eitzah Tova. We mentioned last time that women have a tendency to focus on emotional feelings, and men sometimes don't even notice it. Look for those emotional hints. When she's describing something, don't only focus on the practical part. Don't guess. But at the same time, maybe ask and say, is this particular thing what's bothering you? When she's talking about the socks, when they started talking about socks, what were they talking about the socks? She says to him, I put the third load of laundry away, but in a different drawer. Rabosai, the key word over here is third. She didn't need to say the third word of laundry. You know what she wants from her husband? What she wants from her husband is to say, not necessarily I'll do the laundry she married him it could very well have been that she knew that he had no idea I used to schlep all my laundry from uh, YU rather than do it in the machines my mother spoiled me maybe a little too much when she married him she might have known my wife knew that I didn't know how to do laundry but what she wants is that sense of empathy that he really understands and empathizes with the fact that she's done three loads of laundry today. You don't have to assert, don't guess, say, has the laundry been hard today? And wow, 
there it is. That was it. Now, now we're, we're speaking, we're no longer talking. Finally, speaking but not respecting. You know, Descartes said, do I got it right? Descartes said, I feel, therefore I am. I think, therefore I am. That was, my, that was the Freudian slip. If Descartes was a woman, then she would say, I feel, therefore I am. That's the issue with number three. Number three is the fellow is doing the thinking for her, but he's not doing the feeling. He's not doing the feeling. So how do you do it? His mistake is he gave her the halakhic response as opposed to the emotional response. The emotional response over here is yes, I know that sometimes us eating chadash paradoxically I know it's paradoxical, Hevra. I know it's not fair but I know that us eating chadash makes you feel uncomfortable and that really makes you feel uncomfortable, right? No, but it also makes her feel uncomfortable as well. And that is to really, really process how she's feeling about it as opposed to the solution of it. That's the real shmir. And there, what you're doing is the following. This is my wife's yisod, not Descartes' yisod. Here my wife has the following line. And this is a very, very important line. If she feels, then it's valid. Rabosai, when she's talking about her feelings about Yashan and Chadash, she's not making any halachic argument. Don't worry. She's not going to be rejecting the Ramah. She's not going to be rejecting the Shach. That's not what's going on. What she's doing is she's expressing her emotions, her feelings. And it's valid. Not valid as halacha. Of course it's not valid as halacha. But what it's valid as, is it's valid because that's how she feels. The most important person in the world feels a certain way. And if the most important person in the world feels this way, then by definition, it's valid. Here's an eighth of Tova. Here's an eighth of Tova. Just like we spoke about the eighth of Tova about men are from Mars, about problem solving. In terms of listening to emotional hints, Let's get practical as well in terms of listening to our feelings. What I recommend in such a case is a yisod from Carl Rogers, a famous psychologist who um, is really the father of Algerian psychology. I don't know that much psycho- psychology. I didn't stay in graduate school for that long. But I'll never forget what I learned from Carl Rogers. In fact, when I saw it quoted in the other, other books, let's say, you know, the modern books, Gray, McCovey, and these types of folks, the pop psychology folks, so I feel like the guy who goes over to, to, I feel like the case of the Rebbe, where Talmud comes over and says, and says to him, you know, uh, Rav Shimon says, says this pshat, and the Rebbe says, it's not, it's not Rav Shimon, it's a Ramban, the Ramban already said it, right? So whenever I see one of these people suggest these things, uh, or Dale Hendricks, whatever it might be, so then I say, that's not, or people calling their name, that's not that, that's Carl Rogers, the Yisod is called the Havdilel Falfei Avdolos, it's Carl Rogers. That's the, he's the Lahavdil, the Ramban of this Yisod. <laughs> and that is the following. What Rogers suggests 
is the is is the following point that's so 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 important in terms of communication. Rogers created a whole field of psychology where what a person did, the therapist did, it's mind-boggling. I mentioned this in the past. What this, the therapist does is he listens to what the, the client says and he repeats in other words. And you could get 500 bucks an hour if you learn how to do this. All you have to do is repeat what the client has been saying, say it over in other words, and amazing, Viola, the person feels that they have been listened to. They feel that they've been listened to. So Rabosai, over here, here we go. It's not a ploy, it's not a trick, it's MS. She wants to feel that she, her thoughts and feelings have been validated and accepted. You're not saying it's MS Lalacha, you're not passing the Shaila based on that. Okay, you're right. There are times when it gets a little bit more complicated because she's asking you to take the stroller and there's a Shaila on the air and you're actually convinced that the Machmirim are right and not the Mekilim and your father-in-law is Mekil and Vechut. I know that it gets a little bit more complicated than this. I know that. But the first step, the first step is the following. The first step is to really say over to her what her thoughts and feelings are. And so therefore what he says is, I know that it makes you feel uncomfortable that once upon a time when I was a buffler, I used to eat yasha. And now I don't. But I want you to know that I have made peace with it because I know that it's the right thing. And then she'll say, but what happens when you look at, I see, when you look at the rapper every once in a while, I could see that you wish that it wasn't Yashan. And he could say, yes, MS, Rabbi MS, almost the whole way. One time, maybe we'll have to talk about when his mother was Shanos, but I, I don't think that, it is, that this is the case where you have to. Yes, sometimes it does make me uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, I know that it's the right thing of what I've done, and I know that it makes you feel uncomfortable when I flinch, but you should know ultimately I'm happy with the decision that we've made. And then tell her why you're happy with the decision that you've made. All the other, so many other things that you bring in terms of my avodas Hashem that have enhanced, that's something that really makes me feel special. And then we go back to the Av. Listening. If a person ultimately has that koach where he really is listening to what his wife is saying, so then ultimately he'll have the Siyata Vishrana. So these three cases, the three stories, those are the three Chesronos, these are the three Sodas of Shmiah from Rashi Ala Torah, and these, Be'ez HaShem, are a little bit of the solutions that might help us to build a Binyan Adiyah. Uh,